How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Eastminster Young Adults Podcast, a place where you can learn more about what it means to be a young adult Christian in times like these. You know, studies show that two of every three young adults have a challenging time finding Christian community. Eastminster Presbyterian Church seeks to create a community where you can be known, loved, and challenged without the fear of facing judgment. In doing so, we believe that the world will be a better place. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Joe, and like we like to do every episode, we like to have somebody answer a question uh, for the rest of the audience so that we can get to know each other. And so I've got my cards again, and I'm looking through here, 100 different writing prompts. Let me pull one out of the middle here. All right, let's see here. This question says, what are your views on fame and celebrity culture? Views, what are my views? I think that no matter what, we are looking for people to admire, and I think that um, we are looking for people to admire, and I think that we're look like to uh, demonize people. I remember, do you remember back in the day when Charlie Sheen kind of had his break for some reason? And I remember a local, not local, like a, a national news outlet tried to interview one of his friends about it to see if they could get some scoop on him. And, uh, you know, he, he made a good point. He said, I think that that we do this and particularly the news does this or media does this in order to kind of shine a camera at somebody who's not doing so well so we can feel better about ourselves and so i think that uh we have both a high view of ourselves and a low view of ourselves, and so we tend to look for someone to admire if you know if they succeed somehow we succeed with them and then uh, we look for people who are not doing as well as we are doing so that we can feel a little bit better about what we're trying to do and so I think this happens uh, within the church. Uh, I think that we have these uh, content creators or influencers, and I think we look for them. And I think the only dangerous thing about it in the faith is that at times we can have people like do the believing for us, and so we just cheer them on as they do their thing. I think about this a lot whenever we try to dub like the latest athlete as like the iconic Christian and. So like we buy their books and if they're attacked in the media, we come to their defense and we, you know, go to social media to, you know, either admire them or to defend them. And oftentimes what that does is that makes us um, spectator Christians instead of uh, participatory Christians. And so I, I think that I would probably help us, I would want us to guard against that. Uh, because ultimately our heroes are going to let us down. And that actually might be part of the whole plan. Uh, I heard somebody say this about a role of a good therapist. A therapist, when you first meet them, their role is to have you admire them and to relish what they would like to say and even treasure or almost be dependent on what they would say to help you in the initial phases of your recovery. But over time, a therapist has to go through a change where gradually over time, they are less and less helpful so that we can take up our own life for ourselves. And I think that is a good way to be a friend, a counselor, a pastor, whatever, is to not have people be codependent upon us, but to help them when they are down, to buttress them when they are down, but then to let them go when they're strong enough to go out on their own. And so 
I think celebrity and fame culture is here to stay. I think they have we've done it for generations, uh, primitive cultures to advanced cultures, and so I, th- I think that we can help allow them to like draw something from within us and to help propel our progress forward. And then we do have to safeguard ourselves from like making them believe for us. Uh, that would be the harmful thing. So. Tell me what you think. Who is the person that you look up to? Like, who is the content creator or like the Instagram account that you you can't miss any of their stories? And what does that say about you? So drop me a line. Tell me what you think about it. All right. Thanks for hearing me out. All right, everybody. Pastor Joe here and continuing on with our habits discussion. And I've gotten the greatest feedback from this habits discussion. I think people are starting to diagnose some habits and how to go about it. And so how cool is that? I think it's great. And so let me know if we bump into each other either online or at church, what habits you're into, what you're trying to add to your life and how's, how is it going and all that stuff. So we've covered a lot of uh, secondary source material. Um, I particularly admire the work of Charles Duhigg, of James Clear, and then we talked uh, from Galway's perspective about self one, self two, self two in the inner game of tennis. And so I'm going to add another person on the habits, Mount Rushmore, in my opinion. And his name is Donald Miller. You guys might know Donald Miller. He wrote a best time, a New York Times bestseller, Blue Like Jazz, a long time ago. And he's been writing fiction books. He has now launched a marketing company. And I've kept up with him because he, um, he's kind of a self made guy. Like he, um, knows how to create something from the ground up, and he has been opening up all these different wells of provocative things to say. And I like his communication style. I like that he's just really honest, even when he is at fault. So, uh, but he, I took a productivity course from him this past summer during the pandemic shutdown, when everybody was cranking out webinars for their audience, and he had this great perspective on how to get change going in our life. And he actually leverages the power of story. And story is important for us in our brains. Okay, so our brains are at the very center of our habits. We've talked about it. We've talked about chunking and 1% better and all that stuff previously in this season. But our brains function well when it uh, whenever there's a story involved. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a room before when there's like a presentation after presentation and person one gives a presentation and they kind of talk a lot about a lot of facts and they go through data and they even have like tables and graphs and stuff like that and how you're trying as hard as you can and you cannot follow. Like there's a somehow like the plane is going 100 miles an hour but it's not off the ground, right? But then the next presenter comes up and they they like spin a story into the middle of all their talk and for whatever reason we're captivated by it. And it's just because this is a theory, our brains think in categories of story. And so we're always looking for a story, a story to listen along to, to participate in, a story for our own life. And so if you and I want to get motivated to make habits, which takes place in our brain as well as the rest of our bodies, but in our brains, then we have to somehow bake our habits plans into a story. Okay, we have to put a story loop in, and a story loop is simply basic. It's got you know a basic setting with like a protagonist, and then there is an obstacle 
Sometimes a villain is involved, a villain, a threat of some sort that gets in the way of the protagonist, and then the protagonist has a moment of transformation, then returns back to the original setting as a changed person. I mean, that's just the basic story arc, narrative arc, and there's more things to it than that. But every story has to have settings, it's got to have characters, it's got to have a crisis. If it didn't have a crisis, then we're not interested. Uh, and then it has to have some sort of a solution and then some resolution. And so think about your life and my life in regards to habits. So maybe the habit that you and I would like to develop is we would like the to have a habit of being more connected in our human relationships. Uh, we feel like maybe in this era of life we have not had the greatest friendships and so we'd like to be a better friend ourselves. Then start with saying, hey, you know, in a land far, far away, and then insert your name, was a, locked in an epic battle of sustaining long relationships. And then we have to articulate what our crisis is. And then we get a guide, usually like a, a, like a Gandalf or a Yoda that walks along the sides of it, you know, side of us, who is the main character, but who helps the main character. And they lead us into a better way of life. And we face the issue, and then we overcome it, and then there's a resolution at the end. So this might sound weird, but... It's actually good to think, how am I going to attack this habit in the form of a story? And if, you don't, if you're embarrassed by this, don't share with anybody. But in your own journaling and private time, maybe just think about, okay, whatever the habit might be. Prayer time, study time, less gossip, more forgiving, uh, more active in church, international missions experience. Uh, you, you would like to just be more healthy and exercise and diet and all that stuff. I mean, there's just ways to hack into our hang-ups in developing habits. And one of those ways, according to Don Miller, is to use the power of story. So you got to open up a story loop. Story loop has you as the main character. You have to articulate your problem. You have to foresee a guide who's going to help you and what a resolution might be. So think through that as you think through your habits. But the second thing, and I thought this was really cool. He says, any transformation happens when we finally just get to the end of a rope and we're sick of the thing that we don't want in our life anymore. And so there's actually five step process along the storyline theme that Donald Miller subscribes for uh, starting new habits and maintaining transformation in our life, okay? So I'm just gonna go through those five steps. The first one is self-identity. The first step to this is to give an accurate portrayal of who we are today. We don't have to get into self, self-loathing, but we do have to articulate where we are in point A at the start of this process. Number two, uh, he calls it image reconciliation. Um, our, our brain will look at what's going on in life and it will conform us to our perceived self-identity. Okay, So if our self-identity, if we would claim that we're not good at working out, the moment that we try to start, our brain goes into activity and it says, hey, listen, um, I don't want to work too hard right now. So let's go ahead and get this attempt to jog down the block and back. And um, I'm going to remind you how uh, you're out of breath and that you'll never probably do this long term so that we can get back to whatever we were doing before. I mean, your brain is doing that. Your brain wants to exert the least amount of energy as possible to keep you alive and to consume the fewest calories as possible to get you through the day. And so your brain will try to bring you back to that self-identity if you try to deviate. 
So what's important for us, because that's how habits start and stop, is that we start something, and when our brain brings up the protest, we cave in. So this is the third step that Don Miller says that you and I have to do that. This is a critical step, is that we have to create an aspirational image that's more provocative than the temptation to quit. Okay, We have to articulate who we want to be. Now what this does in our brain is it creates a cognitive dissonance. Okay, so going back to our example as a jogger. We haven't been jogging, we want to start jogging. We run that first run and our brain says, all right, easy there, tiger. Uh, you're not gonna do this long term, so go ahead and get back on the couch. This is where our aspirational come in, aspirational image comes in and says, actually, I've already signed up for a 5K race a couple months from now, and I envision myself running that race, completing and uh, having that like finisher's medal around my neck and you know eating that celebratory donut at the finish line and considering it all a great and uh, meaningful experience. Okay, so what we do is now we have a rival image, just like in a story where the main character, the protagonist, faces a challenge and wants to give up. The guide comes in, says, no, like you could actually move beyond this if you'd like. I'll show you the way. I'll give you a path. So that aspirational image will give us a cognitive dissonance. Our brain does not like cognitive dissonance. This is what happens when we have believed one fact and then some uh, challenging resources and facts uh, overruns it and our brain is on fire because of it. This is called cognitive dissonance. It is important for us if we want to make any changes in our life. And we can actually program it in in the process of making new habits. Okay, so that's why we need this aspirational image, which leads to step number four, the aspirational image reconciliation. This dissonance in our brain will cause it to want to be active. And there's a good chance that the dissonance will cause a brand new self-image, the aspirational image, to overcome our original self-image, where we actually transform into the jogger that we want to be. Because we've allowed our brain to reckon a new future and then begin to leverage all of its resources, the incredible resources that God gives our great brains in order to make transformation and change in our life which moves to the, uh, the fifth step is automatic transformation. We will change. I want you to think about a time when you've, under, when you've gone through a significant change in your life. I think you, you, you could be able to sketch these different steps that have allowed you to, to go through these changes. So let me just share them once more. We start with self-identity, okay, the thing that we've always known about ourselves. Number two is image reconciliation. That is the function of our brain trying to convince us that we don't need to change and that we should stop it. Number three is aspirational image, the rival image that will cause, number four, our brain to have an aspirational image reconciliation, a dissonance in our brain where we must do something about it. And step five, automatic transformation where we go through that change. And so... This is where we employ some things to help us along the way in order to go through uh, this criti- these critical changes that we like to see in our lives. Okay, so where do we see this in Scripture? I love uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We've mentioned this before in our habits, where Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. We go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, which says, God has already given us everything for life and godliness. Uh, Revelation 12, 11, we are overcomers. We have overcome. 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Okay, so there's a grace that's working with us. But notice that there's also the word of our testimony, the, the, the creative juices of the aspirational image, which can cause us to envision a new day. And so I want you and I to think about what is the critical barrier for us to advance in our Christian life? Maybe it is a negative self-image. Uh, maybe it is uh, the fact that we stumble with the same temptation again and again and again. And we can articulate it. We can see it coming, but we simply don't overcome. It's because we're locked in that image reconciliation. We have something inside of us saying, and I believe it's from either Satan or from our sinful nature, which is saying you're never going to change. You're never going to change. That's when the grace of God comes in and says, actually, there is a new day dawning. You belong to Christ. You're a new creation. And therefore, this dissonance is going on in our brains. And with the grace of God, we can emerge into a different image of who we'd like to become. And so, brother and sister, I pray that if you and I are discouraged this day, that we start with the truth about who God says we are, that we're new. So may you and I write a new story because God has allowed us to have a fresh new start. So start by mapping out your storyline. Go through these five steps of transformation. And who knows, six months from now, you and I just might be characters of a brand new story. That's going to be my hope for us as we continue to make these, these new habits in our life. Hey friends, Pastor Joe here just imploring you once again as we go into this fall season. We are putting groups together and we have a value here at Eastminster where we do life with one another and particularly those who lead us closer to Jesus. And so there are already existing groups if you'd like to join one. We have a Sunday morning group during the 10 o'clock Sunday school hour. We also have a Monday evening grow group where we're covering the Enneagram. And so if you'd like to join that, you can go ahead and jump right in as we make our way around the Enneagram circle, talking about our self-identity, how God has created us, and how we interact with one another. It's a great time. So we encourage you to come Monday nights at 7 o'clock. If you are entrepreneurial, you'd like to start your own new group, reach out to me. I would love to help you get placed in an, an existing group or to start a new group. There's Tons of ways of doing that. Keep your eyes peeled on our Facebook page because I'm going to start launching these lunchtime Facebook room groups where we just log on for about 30 minutes or so, connect with one another, and talk about what God's doing in our life. So if you'd like to participate in one of those, that's kind of more your speed, not to be committed to one group, but to check in and to just, uh, you know, get to know people along the way through these uh, temporary groups. That's totally fine. So we've got something for all types. So I encourage you not to stay uh, out on the periphery, but to join a group, be connected with one another as we seek Jesus together. So please reach out if that's what you'd like to do. Thank you so much. Hey, before we go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating so that more people can be drawn to the podcast. We also have a Eastminster Young Adults Facebook page. If you'd like to be a part of that, please look for it and send a request so we can add you to the closed group so you can stay up to date on all the things that are going on in young adult life. Thanks. We'll see you next time.